This is a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com. Hello and welcome to the Fun Kids Book Club podcast. I've got loads of stuff on today's show, including a chat with Andy Stanton, a chat with Harry Hill, and a reading from the brand new Tracy Beaker book. But first is my book trivia question. Today's is a bit different. I want to know this. Who do you think has sold more books? Jacqueline Wilson or David Walliams? Hmm, both very popular, but who is the most popular? I'll tell you at the end of the show. First up, let's find out what happened when Anna Louise spoke to Andy Stanton. You're listening to The Club with me, Anna-Louise, here on Fun Kids, and I'm with award-winning author Andy Stanton. Hi, Andy. Hello, how are you? Really well, thank you. Now, you've got a brand new series coming out called The Paninis of Pompeii. Now, I love a panini, but what's different about a panini from Pompeii? Ah, well, firstly, uh, a panini from Pompeii doesn't refer to a sandwich. It refers to a person, because I've written a... I've written this uh, kid's book about a family called the Paninis. And that's because I sort of just think it's a funny word. And also it's a sort of, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a nonsense word. We've got a, we've got a merchant called Caecilius Panini. He's got a wife called Vesuvius. They've got a son called wow. Phileas. They've got a dog called Barkus Wuffarinicum. Oh, so it's loads of Yeah, it's loads of mucking about with sort of old Roman and Pompeian type ideas. What inspired this crazy new series, Andy? Ah, well, uh, <laughs> I, um, I, I, when I was at school, I had to study Latin for a year. And, well, I, you, could, you could study it longer, but I gave it up as soon as I could because I hated it. Um, we just had a really uninspiring teacher. And why would you want to learn Latin? It's um, tricky, really and, tricky. And, you know, unless you want to be a lawyer or something, right? Uh, or just a show-off. <laughs> so, um, but, but they had this textbook, and it was all, it, the whole textbook was all about ancient Pompeii. And there was apparently a merchant called Caecilius. And years later, uh, and, and, you know, you were, taught it, you were taught Latin through these characters. Years, years, years later, I just thought it would be really funny to just make a complete remixed, surreal version of what I remember from that book. So I remember Caecilius. To me, that's a funny name. So I turned Caecilius from a merchant into a fart merchant. In my books, he buys and sells farts down the market. Does he have Very to odd. bottle them up? Um, it's never really explained. I really like not showing, not explaining lots of things in, in my books so that kids just go, huh? how can you do that? Because um, there's bits where they sort of hold a fart and kids go, well, oh. how is he holding it? You just go, just, I don't know, mate, just did. And then, um, you know, so, so I sort of already turned Caecilius into a fart merch. And oh. then, and the, and then um, you know, the uh, the mountain that blew up, uh, sorry, the volcano that exploded and destroyed Pompeii was Vesuvius. Mm. Well, I thought, well, no, I'll just call Caecilius his wife Vesuvius. I want to remix everything. Oh. So she's Vesuvius. And then they're looking out the window going, I wonder what that massive volcano Next door to the town is mother. I don't know, replied Vesuvius. No one knows, knows the name of it. So what I'm trying to do is just take all the kind of realities from that time and scramble them mm. with the ultimate aim of making children's heads explode with happiness. So what do you do if, if you're like, right, I'm going to have a writing day on Thursday. You sit down at your desk and yeah. then you just hit a writer's block and you've got no ideas and nothing well, is coming to you. that's why Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, so to you kind go. Of push so through. you go. I'm going to write on Thursday. That means I need to write rubbish on Monday. Need to write rubbish on Tuesday. I need to write rubbish on Wednesday, and that's going to be so painful because by then I'm going. I can't do it at all. Oh, tearing and then, out. And then you might. And then if you're lucky and you stick at it, you you get some good stuff on Thursday. So yeah, that that's what you do. Is you 
you write even when it's hard or you try and you try and do something, even just sit at the desk and try. Mm. It doesn't matter if you don't really produce anything. So long as your brain is hurting with the effort of it, you'll mm. open up those floodgates eventually. So now and again, you get lucky and you just get something bang out of the starting hatch. But, you know, that's rarer. What advice would you give to anyone listening who really wants to be an author and loves writing but just doesn't know how to get into the industry? First thing you've got to do is write something. So that, the, the, so really, you, you don't even look at getting into the industry until you've written something. So we're talking about writing, I think. Um, I think, firstly, if you want to write, read. Read, 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 mm. read, read. Read everything you can get your hands on that interests you. Even bad books will teach you what you don't want to write. Mm, and good books will inspire you further. Um, I, you know, um, the, the other thing I'd say is uh, just get to the end of the first draft. That's always my most important thing. It does, you know, if you've, got a, if you've got an idea for a story and you don't really know where it's going and you're getting stuck, don't worry, just keep getting it there. Get it to the end, what, whatever the end is that you've got in mind. Then you can go back and edit it and make it better. But get there whether, get there whether it's, uh, it's working well or not. You can decide whether it's rubbish later. If you, can't, if you really can't think of you, you only need one idea to get going and then you see where it goes. But I got lucky with Mr. Gum because I invented a villain. And I just started with a villain. And you know what? If you start, if you start by inventing a villain, something is going to happen. Mm. Villains make stories happen. They're great engines. Because a villain always wants something or to stop something or to, you know, or to get something or to muck something up. And then you've got a story happening. Then you go, OK, something's going on. I better have a hero to try and fight the villain. Now, you know, that, that's a good way to start. Well, if you've got a villain, he's got to be stopped, hasn't he? Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, thank you so much. Where can we get our hands on the brand new series, The Paninis of Pompeii? Well, the first one is out right now. And it should be available in all good bookshops and some terrible bookshops. And I'm sure it's online as well. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, bye. Thank you very much to Anna, Louise and Andy Stanton. Next up, it's time to welcome Imogen to the studio. Hello. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. You've got a beautiful pile of books in front of you. I do, and two of which... Um, talking of which, um, mm-hmm. are kind of spooky themed because we've just had Halloween. We have. Uh, just a couple of days ago. And, uh, so the first one of my picks is a, mm, the first one of my picks is Tales of Tricks and Treats by Enid Blyton. Oh, lovely. Now, Enid Blyton, you know, is an absolute legend <laughs> uh, in the writing sphere. Uh, she sold over 500 million copies of her books. Wow. And she's written over 700 books and 2,000 short stories. And 30 of those short stories are in this kind of anthology book with all about scary spooky things fairies, witches, giants, magical tales, goblins, all sorts of fun filled, jam packed, fold loads of stories and they're really like they're short and sharp and witty and wonderful and if you want just a little treat of only a few pages yeah nice and easy to read so easy then this is the book for you if you're not a huge fan of reading these are really digestible because you can just flick through one a night bish bash bosh (laughs) And you'll do it. Ina Blyton is an excellent starter kind of book, isn't she? Yeah, she's wonderful. And uh, 
yeah, definitely a great one for this Halloweeny, spooky, festive period. Lovely stuff. Uh, what do you have next? Next, I have, talking of Jacqueline Wilson, quite a lot on this uh, book club, um, it's Jacqueline Wilson and it's We Are The Beaker Girls. Now, I read the last book in this series, which was about uh, Tracy and her daughter. It was told from her daughter's point of view. Jess, and now I yes. believe they have moved to the seaside to a, um, a little antiques place called the Dumping Ground, right? Yes. So now Jess and Tracy live above uh, the Dumping Ground. Uh, not the Dumping Ground that Tracy grew up in. No. Um, but yeah, it's a seaside antique shop. Uh, and they live alongside Flo, who's the owner, and Alfie, their dog. Now, uh, in this book, Jess is... Uh, looking for a new boyfriend for her mum. She mm-hmm. wants to do a bit of matchmaking, but also she's got quite big problems of her own because she's being picked on by a local kid who's got it a bit in for her, unfortunately. Uh, things never do run smooth with the Beaker girls. They don't, do they? No. No, but when Jess uncovers the truth about her new sworn enemy, things become a little bit more complicated. If you love your Jacqueline Wilson and Tracy Beaker, well, this is the perfect book for you. Yeah absolutely if you want to find out what happens next to Tracy and Jess and kind of have some I've sometimes wondered Bex uh-huh. what uh, Tracy's childhood and her growing up in the foster care system and things that sort of impact that has on Jess yeah sure um and that's kind of explored a bit in this book, which is really, really interesting, especially as like the care system is was a huge, huge part of Tracy's life. Um, and kind of the books gave us a bit of a glimpse into it. And, and one of the few books that did, I think. Yeah, 100%. And this is a really fascinating book that kind of carries on from all of that. And of course, it's wonderful. And it has the beautiful illustrations by Nick Shara um, yeah. that we all love. Um, so if you love Jack and Wilson, you're going to read this anyway. If you love Tracy Beaker, you're going to read this anyway. <laughs> if you love books just give it a go give it a go yeah you don't have to uh, read the last ones I think you can just delve straight yeah, in yeah dive in and what is the final beautiful book you have here in front the of you the final book is A World Full of Spooky Stories 50 Tales to Make Your Spine Tingle it's a big one isn't it it's a big one um, it's written by Angela McAllister and it's beautifully illustrated by Madalena Andronich. And this is, as the title suggests, a book of 50 spooky tales from all over the world. So we have stories from Russia, we have stories from South America, we have stories from India, and they're all kind of scary, spooky little almost fairy tale folk stories that you probably won't have heard of before because they're from all around the world and they were kind of spoken by word of mouth, passed down through generations and they've just been put in this book for your lovely uh, reading pleasure. And they're really nicely um, illustrated as well, aren't they? Yeah, they're gorgeous and we love a little illustration, love an illustration. on the book club. Um, and yeah, they're kind of split up from wood stories to castle stories to mountain path stories to farm and field to strangers knocking at the door Mm -hmm. enchanted places all sorts Um, and there's yeah as I said stories from all around the world something to dive into you will adore also that's, that's a good gift book as well isn't it yes, I'm just eyeing that up as we speak I'm like oh I, know. I saw you book. eyeing it up yeah. if this goes missing Bex I know who to come to absolutely come and look in my bag for that uh, brilliant that is a really really lovely book as well thank you Imogen three no, great picks this week no worries thank you very much Next up, we are going to have a little chat with Harry Hill. Uh, this is Bex in the club, and I am joined by the author and comedian Harry Hill. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am good. How are you? Good. Yeah. Are you super busy at the moment? 
Uh, well, I've just recorded, this might be of interest to your um, listeners, the um, Junior Bake Off is coming back to Channel 4. That, not just interesting to listeners, but also to me as well, personally, yeah. yes. So um, I spent three weeks in the summer in uh, in a tent with the uh, with 20 uh, young bakers. 20? Well, there were two groups of 10. Right, OK. Uh, they whittled down the first 10 to 5 and the second 10 to 5, and then it's 5 versus 5, they whittled until we get the uh, the baker, so that was a lot of fun. And yeah. how much cake did you eat? Well, I'm because I'm the host. There is no point in the format for the host to eat any cake. Yeah, right? but... so it's basically whatever you can grab. Yeah, I do a smash and grab. Like obviously after they've been judged, but I would have grabbed pretty much everything I possibly could. Yeah, well that's what that's basically what I did. You know, there's that bit where they say, uh, "Oh, come and uh, enjoy each other's," um, you know, after they've been marked mm-hmm. on the table at the front. Oh, do they share it round? So they all so they all pile in and help themselves. You know, the idea being that they can taste the best. You know, the thing that won and the thing that you know. Yeah, sure. Uh, and so and so I would go in there and and uh, and then there's another bit at the end after the showstopper bit where you don't see it. They edit this out of the TV show where the host uh, takes the plate that they've just been trying this. You know, so yeah. Uh, and then uh, so I would take the plate and you have to, I'd have to go and swap it with a clean plate. So as oh, I was right. walking over, I would eat what was left on the plate. I was going to say, so you're doing the job of a waiter, but actually it's quite yeah, a nice. Yeah, it's like a being a, a glorified waiter. Yeah, yeah, but with extra cake. Uh, right, so we should probably talk about your brand new book, yes. I suppose. So I've been doing that, and of course, I have this new book out. It's the third book in the Matt Mill series. It is the third one, yeah. And uh, <laughs> first of all, I loved it. I've read it and loved it. But Matt is just a lovely character. Like, yeah. in this book, he's so gracious He's based and so on kind. me. That's why he's so lovely. Sure, yeah, that's what it is. Because my real name is Matt. You know, some people may know that. So tell us a little bit about what happens to Matt in the book. Uh, so this one. So, you know, the first one, he is, uh, you know, he enters show business for the first time. and mm-hmm. he. He enters a big TV talent competition. Then the second one, he's sort of dealing with his fame, isn't he? And, yes. And trying to maintain it. And in the third one, we join him some months after his uh, peak. He's on the, He's on a bit of a downer. He's on this, on Skid Row. Yeah, he really is. He feels like he's over before yeah. he's turned 40. He's 13, right? And he's like, everything's yeah. done now. Yeah. That's me. That's My me life out. is over. And yeah. he lives in rural Kent, so there's very few opportunities for a stand-up comedian. I yeah. can vouch for that because that's where I grew up. Right. And um, so he's desperate for for gigs. And then his manager, Kitty Kissing. Hope, yeah. comes up with a, a brilliant plan. Should we talk about that? Give that away, yes. Absolutely, so he, yeah. The main bulk of the book is him going up to the Edinburgh Festival. The Fringe Festivals. So if you've never been, and I think you have been. I, I've definitely been, yeah, yeah. For anyone listening who hasn't been, it's a, I mean, it's just thousands of shows. It's the most fun place. And it's not just stand-up comedians. It's plays, serious plays and singing and people on stilts. and. Uh, it's just madness for a month, isn't it, really? And the great, yes, and unlike a lot of festivals, so if you go to, if you're going to want to appear on uh, the stage at Glastonbury, someone has to ask you. Yes. Edinburgh, anyone can go. All you have to do is fill out the form and pay the money. This reflects my first experience in Edinburgh, so I'd never even been up. And I uh, I wrote this uh, comedy play. Okay. And we booked this um, uh, venue without seeing it, and it was a leisure centre. So you could get a free swim? Skirts. Yeah. Well, the great thing about it was actually the the French fries. Oh, which is also yeah. in the book. Yeah. Is this book basically just your diary then? Is that, <laughs> is that what it is? A lot of it is, you know, so I, you know, I was uh, at that time 
sticking up my own posters, so I would go out with a, you know... Yep, doing all the flyering. So in the book, uh, Matt also has a new kid in school to to make friends with. A rival, yeah. Yes, now this is the real jeopardy, I suppose, because he's... uh, There's a new boy arrives, and um, he... uh, he turns out to be f- funnier. Mm. Which, for a comedian, very difficult to deal yeah, with, surely. Yeah. But the thing is with Matt, like, he takes a little while, but he does understand that for the greater good, for the good of the show, yeah. he's got to accept that maybe this time he's not the star. He's not the headliner. He swallows it, yeah. And that's he hard. Yeah. 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 You know, if you want to be a comedian, yeah. you're on a bill with other people. Some nights you'll be the funniest one, or you'll go best and mm-hmm. other, other nights you won't because the audience is always different. I do like in the book you talk about comedy, like you talk about the business of it that yeah. probably kids don't get to hear about from anywhere else. The idea of like, yeah. you know, of that kind of stuff of working on the show, of getting better or flyering and like the grubby bits behind the scenes. Sure, yeah. It well, is cool. Yeah, it's because I'm really just still really interested in it. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of, it's the sort of thing that you never actually get the hang of. You never completely master it. So uh, even now you get nights where, you know, I get nights where I'm thinking I could have done that better or how would I have improved on that? So, um, yeah, it's endlessly fascinating, actually, stand-up comedy. So what's next for Matt? Does he does he have like a five-year plan? Does he have a little a little ambition or an aim you reckon what, he's going to get after to? After this? After this, yeah, yeah. Well, I, have, I don't have any plans to write another one. Okay. Ooh. This might, yes, it might be the... <laughs> What? Have I just uncovered an exclusive? What? It might not be. At the end of this, what he says, that's all from him. Good night. Which is a slightly... For now. Normally I say, uh, it's all from him for now anyway. Good night. Oh, interesting. Mm. But I do have another, I do have another, a few other ideas for him. And then the other idea I had was possibly that we should pursue um, Kitty Hope's comedy agency. I mean, Kitty is fascinating. She's yeah. an absolute boss. Mm. She She is the school... Uh, it's like as if I was going to say a school agent. I mean, schools don't tend to have agents. Yeah. But she gets more people on the books as the days go by. That's right. And she's was her grandfather like the manager of the Palladium and that kind That's of thing. That's right. Yeah. 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 I, Hope, I mean, Bernie Hopestein. If yes, if there's a spin-off, <laughs> if there's a spin-off there, that would be lovely. I also love the little tie in the, the Wet Fizz Awards, yeah. the, the Perry Award, that kind of thing. Like it yeah. must be nice to put everything you know about comedy into a book sure. and just, just subvert it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I had a, a lot of fun writing it. I must say. You know. So this brings me on. I've made a little Edinburgh quiz for you. Oh, okay, great. Just five questions, just mm-hmm. to see, like, just... I mean, five questions? Just five questions. I'm not going to judge you too heavily, but I will. Right. You know, I will think, mm. you know, I will think less mm. of you, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I think you'll get these. I think you'll be okay. Just to, just to judge your Edinburgh fringe credentials. Um, can you name, uh, can you give me some other names for the Perrier Awards? Uh, is it the Fosters? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's one. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. I just wanted yeah. one, but the panic yeah. in your eyes was interesting. Um, can I don't know you... what it is now. What is it now? Is it still Fosters? I think it's the Eddies now. They've right. just they've just oh, okay. tried to they've yeah. just got rid of all of that. Um, when did the Edinburgh Fringe begin? Was it nineteen forty six, forty seven, or forty eight? I got the, I got an idea. It's forty seven, but I don't know. It is forty seven. Is it? Yeah. Yes. You've, oh, okay. Mm. This is very good. If you were to watch every single show on at the Fringe, how long would it take you? Oh, I can give you multiple choice if you like. Okay, okay. Yeah. Is it five years, twelve months, or a decade? <laughs> twelve months. Five years. Five years. Apparently, wow. yeah, it's thirty thousand shows, and somebody's somebody's done the maths already yeah, on that. Great. Uh, can you name some winners for best show? Best show. Best show. What for the? Or you mean like the? Perry the, Perry, the yeah, yeah. Any any winners? <laughs> yeah, Al, um, Al Murray. Yeah. Mm, uh, Lano and Woodley. Okay, that's a niche reference. They beat, well, they beat me. <laughs> right. <laughs> no one's ever heard of them. They were an Australian duo. 
John Cairns. Uh-huh. Um, two more. Two more. Oh, gosh. Who wanted this? Uh, Jordan Brooks. Yeah. Who wanted this year. Not. I'll take a best new Oh, uh, uh, did Frank Skinner win it? No. I feel like he did. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I think he did. Yeah, why not? Um, and it's best not to win it. In, in many ways, it's best not to win it because then you have all the expectation. And then you just you can still put it on your poster, can't yeah. you? Nominated for the award. Yeah. yeah. That's probably pretty no good. One, you know, on the whole, no one remembers the winners. <laughs> Is that what you tell yourself? <laughs> <laughs> and finally, uh, apart from comedy, can you name three of the categories of show in the Fringe programme? Three of the categories? Yeah. When you're looking for what shows to go and see. Oh, I don't know. Dr- uh, drama. Yeah, that'll do, yeah. Comedy, music, I don't know. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah children's, dance, or oh, as I've written here, dance, etc. Events, mm. exhibitions, yeah. So okay. I'll, t- I'll take drama. Right. Uh, brilliant stuff. And so we should say that Matt Mills is out right now. It's Matt Mills on tour. On tour. It's the green one, not the blue or the it's red the one. It's the green one, yeah. Ask for the green one. Ask for the, ask for the green Matt Mills book. <laughs> They'll know exactly what you mean yeah. straight away. Fab. Uh, Harry, thank you so much for chatting no, to it's us. Lovely to talk to you. Perfect, thanks. Thank you very much to Harry Hill for coming by the Fun Kids studio. Now, we did mention that Jacqueline Wilson has a new book out in the Tracy Beaker series, and here is a reading of it from Sheridan Smith. Three cones, please. All with chocolate flakes. One with chocolate sauce, too. One with strawberry, and one with sprinkles. The ice cream man smiled at me. All for you, Jess? Yes. Yum, yum, yum. (laughs) It was our little joke. Of course I wasn't going to eat them all. There was one for my mum, one for Flo, and one for me. We treat ourselves whenever we make a big sale in our shop. Well, it's really Flo's shop, but we moved in a month ago, and my mum has been in charge of the stock, and we've had ice cream seven times. And today we'd made an absolutely huge sale. It had been a quiet morning. Flo was sitting on her old chintz sofa, balancing a bowl of water on her lap and gently cleaning a china crinoline lady with an old toothbrush. Mum was on her knees at the back sticking scraps onto a wooden stool to make it look pretty. I was curled up on a faded velvet chair with my dog, Alfie, snoozing on a cushion at my feet. I was meant to be doing some horrible sums in my notebook. Mary is worried that I've missed so much school. She was my teacher when we lived on the Duke Estate in London. I still sometimes forget and call her Miss Oliver. I like her, but I wish she wouldn't keep sending me homework. I especially wish she wouldn't set me problems. My problem is I can't do the problems. I was doodling instead, drawing lots of little cartoon Alfies. I drew in fast asleep, wide awake, running crazily, jumping for a ball, lying on his back to be tickled. I even drew him having a wee. I love Alfie so much, almost as much as my mum. Do you know my mum, Tracy Beaker? Everyone knew her when we lived in Marlborough Tower. Heaps of people already know her here in Cooksey. She's that kind of person. Lovely stuff. Thank you so much to Andy Stanton, to Harry Hill, to Sheridan Smith and to Imogen for recommending some amazing books this week. Just time to recap my book trivia question. Who has sold more books? Is it Jacqueline Wilson or David Williams? Well, I know a lot of people would think David Williams because he's written quite a lot of books, but... 
It's Jacqueline Wilson. She has sold about 40 million copies of her books in the UK alone. So well done her. That is pretty much it from me today in the Book Club podcast. I'll be back super duper soon. Make sure to rate, review and subscribe wherever it is you get your podcast from. Bye. So that was a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com. I'm James Stewart, and in Saving Planet Earth, I'm going to be joined by some of the world's top scientists to introduce you to some of the weird and wonderful ideas being trialled to try and save our planet. Led, of course, by your questions. Hi, James. I know that climate change is affecting our oceans. Is there anything that's being done to look after it? And one of the solutions involves dolphin poo. (laughs) This is Saving Planet Earth. Available wherever you get your podcasts.